millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Egg Chasers. Uh, this is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. And uh, I'm Tim. That's JB. Hello, Timothy. Um, JB, why don't, you, why don't you say where we are right now? We are in the, I think it's Monte Carlo, Monte Carlo Bay Casino, which is nice. For the World Rugby Awards, and we have got some very special treats for you on today's episode. Uh, we spoke to, let me, let me think, who did we have a chat to? We, we spoke to, um, oh yeah, World Player of the Year, Bowden Barrett. Oh yeah, yeah, we saw him. He was nice. Uh, he actually took away with him the, the, the trophy for the World Player of the Year, and also something else, which will be revealed in a little bit. Yeah, he was, uh, he was genuinely delighted with, with, like, with, what, he ga- with, with what we gave him. Um, I think he feels it will make him immortal. <laughs> we uh, speaking of uh, immortal in rugby terms. Richie McCaw uh, is coming up on the podcast. <laughs> we chatted. Ch- I forgot. I just forgotten that we did that. <laughs> yeah, it's all gone a bit of a blur uh, this evening. Yeah, Richie McCaw. And now I know he's a rugby god and he's here to talk, talk, talk about rugby. I literally, I literally would have loved to have done nothing but talk to him about helicopters. Yeah, one of the only men at the World Rugby Awards who could have taken advantage of the helipad on top of the hotel. So that's all to come, obviously. Um, keep your ears peeled for that. Eddie Jones as well, and Rico Ioani, um, and other things that you will hear, I'm sure, on future episodes as well. However, right now, we are without Phil. What, what is Phil doing this weekend? I, got, I don't know, actually. Um, he's not here, and if he's not here, he'll be working, mate. Uh, that, that's all he ever does. <laughs> Counting bricks. Um... So yeah, we're without Phil. However, we are going to break down some of the international rugby that we saw over well yesterday, um, and so we'll get into that. A quick reminder: you can find us on iTunes, on Acast, uh, on any other platform. I've now moved over to Android, so I don't Look use I, I don't use any of them anymore. So um, yeah, whatever your podcast provider is, leave your reviews, subscribe, and tell your mates. Um, so yeah, we were we've come to. In fact, you just said we'd come to Monaco. We, I still don't understand what, what's the difference between Monte Carlo and Monaco because we're in both at the minute. I don't get it. Yeah, uh, Monte Carlo is an administrative district of Monaco. Is that a boring enough answer? Fact. So, okay, so to make it really sexy, Monte Carlo is the district, the administrative district that looks after things like bins and council tax. So there you go, Monte Carlo. There you go. Um, I, I can also say that the the streets of Monaco are. Um, well, I don't need to go to one of those Christmas ice skating rinks because like, <laughs> the whole place is made of marble. My, <laughs> yeah. my leather-soled shoes just did not get on very well. Stacked it. Yeah, if it's not made out of marble around here, it's a waste of time. <laughs> so we watched um, in Nice. We watched the rugby. Um, 
incredible weekend and there's only one place to start as well yeah France, so, France Japan Fra- France Japan Japan yeah we're, if you want any analysis about France Japan this is not the podcast for you because we were well on the way by the time <laughs> <laughs> France Japan kicked off JB turned up with like um, a massive like brandy glass with it looked like iron brew in it I don't know what that was Arapol Spritz I mean ah okay yeah yeah I couldn't taste anything by that point. No, the big game then. Let's break down Scotland-Australia a little bit. Now, there's a lot of people, myself included, that thought that if Scotland can just continue where they got to with Vern Cotter, that would represent a success. But Gregor Ball has kicked things on. Gregor Ball? Is this, is this what, what, what you're calling it? Oh, I am now, yeah. Gregonomics. <laughs> oh, I like it. Uh, yeah, quite phenomenal. And... A try for one of the guys that I consider one of the nicest individuals in rugby, Byron McGuigan. I was absolutely delighted to, to see that. And what was more impressive, really, because uh, without the talismanic Mr. Hoff. Yeah, in the warm up, I remember saying to you when Hogg was down, you said, Oh, Hogg's out. I thought, Oh, well, that's it. They've got their, they've got their excuse ready made. But eight tries. There were. How many tries? Eight tries. Who scored eight tries? Scotland. No, they didn't. Did it really? Yeah, I think that's right. Again, as JB said, we were well on the way, but I think I. Yeah, got they, that got, right. they only got fifty points. They got they got over fifty points, and the last time Scotland racked up fifty points was in the two thousand and seven World Cup against Portugal. They have never, I believe this is right, never put fifty past a tier one nation. That is remarkable, actually. That's absolutely remarkable. So, yeah, we both watched the game. Impressive as it was, the thing which stuck out stuck out for me more 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 than anything was the ambition. But that's only that's only really um, doable because of because of the rucking. The whole game is based based around the ruck. And I think when you look back at it, what you'll see is just sheer accuracy around the breakdown. Accuracy is a word. That maul was an absolute weapon as well. That was that was a new weapon they've unleashed this autumn. That that mauling game was awesome. Uh, I just think that. I think the improvement in the in the all round game is is fairly marked, but you know, there there is an element of Australia getting a yellow card, Australia not quite being at full force on on the on the end of their tour. Having said that, red card. Could, you say red card. Sorry, red card, red card. Yeah. Um, having said that, um, you know, it's, it's impressive. So uh, three years ago, Scotland were battered by Wales, who wrapped up fifty points against them. Oh God, we've got we've, we've got to play Scotland soon. In 2009, Scotland's backline included Nick DeLuca, <laughs> Simon Daniele, wow, and Hugo Southwell. But the backline that was out against Australia is frightening. With players to come back in, Hogg, as you mentioned, Dunbar. This is a force that's building. And Hugh Jones is a proper player. I mean, yeah. Uh, he, what's he on now? Like 78 tries in seven games? 79. 79 tries. Phenomenal find. It seems to be like, you know when the team's good? Because when they start bringing in players, it, it improves the team. That's how you know that, 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 that they've got a bit of depth. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't be more impressed actually. That's cool. No complaints with the red card? You do though. Um, oh, no, I can understand why it was given. I... And by the letter of the law, it is a red card, and I get it. I just uh, there's, there's a bit of me that thinks that red, red card, what that should represent is, is something really, really, really nasty, like gouging or yeah. stamping on someone's head. That's what a red card means. But I, I'm kind of with you here. So it is definitely a red card. 
you, know, you look at how the law should be applied, it was, comply- it was applied completely correctly, and because of that, it's a red card. But does it feel like a red card? No, it doesn't. I think red cards are for, like I say, gouging, striking, like behaviour which is not acceptable on a, on a rugby pitch. It was illegal what he did. It could, it should have been, it should be a yellow card. I'm not entirely sure I'd want that to be a red card. Uh, that's where we got to. I suppose there's no going back on that one. Um, one story uh, in amongst this Scotland performance. It's just amazing. Oh, by the way, there was one story which was it was the end of a really coveted career for Stephen Moore. Not a way that he would want to go out. But Daryl Marfo, like, <laughs> what, what, where would he have ranked in England props only a few months ago? Like England, Scotland, English. No, where would he have ranked if he oh, right, if he okay. followed the English lineage and he'd gone that way? He would have been maybe thirty seventh choice or maybe not probably fourth choice in Doncaster unbelievable story uh, yeah um, I mean he wasn't really that highly rated coming into it uh, presumably he will be now uh, again it's something which I say consistently opportunity just as important as talent there was one moment I really enjoyed in this game um, when uh, who was gassing in Sean Maitland was gassing in for his try down the left wing and did you see the Aussie lot Rob Simmons no. <laughs> you need to look at the video of this. It's really good. If you haven't seen it, go and check it out. Because it, Rob Simmons was, I can only describe it as a running in treacle. He, he, oh, he, I did see it. I did see it. <laughs> he, he was running like a, an octogenarian. Um, <laughs> the, the, the acceleration of an oil tanker. It was, uh, yes, I know. I, I know exactly what you mean now. So, we can't say enough good things about Gregor Ball and... Um, no, stop. You can't call it Gregor Ball. It's got to be, some, it's got to be something else. Okay, so... Put it, put it on to Twitter. At Rugby Podcast, we need a name for this. So there was Gatlin Ball, which was the, the bludgeoning, blunt instrument that Warren Gatland used with Wales. More on Wales in a little bit. Um, what are we calling Gregor Ball? Because, yeah, you're right, Gregor Ball doesn't work. But there's got to be a word like Mook. No. Uh, there's got to be a kind of... Mook Whip. Mook Whip. Mook Mook <laughs> I really don't think girth is right, Jay. Why, why? It's wide. Um, girth is isn't girth like a circumference? Yeah, rather than just pure wit. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, but wit. <laughs> oh dear! Just remind you, we're in the Monaco Monte Carlo Bay Hotel Casino. We're surrounded, literally surrounded, by bona fide journalists everywhere. Hashtag bonafide. We are surrounded by them, and I just feel uncomfortable with the word girth being used <laughs> too many. So let's, let, that's, that's our girth quota done um, for this podcast. Tell you what, um, no, what I was going to say was just looking forward for Scotland, they've got to be contenders, Six Nations. Oh, massively. I mean, looking forward now, this Six Nations is going to be two tables. It's who can win the Six Nations B, Wales, France and Italy, and who can win the Six Nations A, Scotland, Ireland and England. It is going to be absolutely ferocious. I don't see any of the bottom three beating the top three. Wow, I'm not sure I go with that, and I'm slightly eating humble pie because I did not see this Scotland performance and bearing in mind what we said about Scotland last week saying if they want this autumn to be regarded as a success they have to win but to win in that fashion obviously Australia were pointing at the red card but that, that wasn't going to change the result Yeah, maybe the the, the girth of the Scotland no that doesn't work um, but sorry you're about to say something Jay uh, no 
other no. than I thought that Scotland could win it. I can't remember how I predicted it, but I didn't think they would. No. I thought they'd bottle it. Right, OK, let's take a little break at this point and, uh, and hear from one of the people we sat down with here at the World Rugby Awards in Monaco. Who would you like to, uh, who would you like to hear from, JB? Who's your favourite chap? Honestly, here's my favourite. I really like Rachel Burford. Mm. Gotta yeah. say. Yeah, she was an interesting character. Who are we going to hear from first? Um, who are we going to... Uh, we go for the World Player of the Year? Oh, yeah, Bowden. Yeah, let's yeah, go Bowden. Let's go for, yeah. for Bowden. You can hear the special, Bowden. Gift, the special gift we gave Bowden. Bowden Bonafide Barrett. Here he is. Bowden Barrett is the proud owner of an egg chaser's tie. Uh, it really touched him. You know, sometimes when you're doing this podcast, you can change people's lives for the better. And I feel that we've done that for Bowden. You see, I'm... He, what's, what's he got? A World Cup winner's medal. Yep. Uh, Super Rugby title. Uh-huh. Um, He's actually held the JB Cup before. Yeah, Not the, currently got it, but one day he'll get it back probably. Yeah. Um, is he double World Player of the Year now? Double World Player of the Year. Yeah, and double JB Cup holder. Yeah. Yeah. And now um, can add an Egg Chasers club tie to that athlete. Uh, Egg Chasers club ties, which will be available um, in Madrid when we go out yeah. on tour in March. We were mentioning the Six Nations in relation to Scotland earlier. And we're on the continent at the moment, so uh, in fact, this is kind of you know a few hundred miles from the Spanish coast. Um, we, that's where we will be in March. So uh, go to our Facebook page, Egg Chasers uh, Podcast. Find out all the information. We're going on a on a tier two tour to see Spain against Germany and watch a load of Six Nations matches in a bar in Madrid. Do a live rugby brunch podcast, which very very special special. Uh, surprises. Thanks to our friends in World Rugby, and as you can tell, they look after us fairly well. Um, yeah, something will be going down. Something will indeed be going down. Uh, right, you're going to hear from uh, Richie McCaw, Eddie Jones, and uh, Rico Yuani in a little bit. But um, Wales, come on, let's, let's let's talk about Wales for a second. How, how do you react to that New Zealand performance? I thought there was there was some reasons to be optimistic, but it was pretty much what you expected to happen Wales to sort of dig in for a bit and then yeah get out done at the end um, I I think if Warren Gatlin was a brand new coach coming into Wales you'd say that is some really good progress the fact is he's been there for 10 years now and uh, well however long he's, he's been there and it just doesn't seem like they're in the right stage of their development for where they need to be with the World Cup relatively round the corner it, it, it was bad and if you think about you know what did the game prove to us well we know Alan Wynne Jones can work really hard we've just put another thousand miles on, miles on his clock we knew that Wales would be competitive until 60 minutes well that's exactly what they did and then they folded, folded horrifically I, I guess the only real positive thing for me is Owen Williams starting to look a bit more like a test player in fact no scratch that he looks like a test player I like him a lot Everything else, uh, how many was pretty good, but it's not enough. It's not enough for where they should be right now. And that's the concern for me. This evolution, and I've got to, you know, give give some credit. The the way that Wales are, are playing is much more exciting and at times much more effective. But, but who cares? You know, yeah. lost the loss. Who cares? Yeah, and, and and we're and that's fine. That's something to have done in 2015, not the end of 2017 exactly right yeah and it, that's a worry for me and their replacement they 
called up. It was, uh, it was Jamie Roberts' late call up. He appeared on the pitch with what, 30 to go. Jamie Roberts is an all-time national hero. But is he the right guy to bring on to turn around the game with 30 minutes? The answer is no, he's absolutely not. And if you're going to move on from Jamie Roberts, either Jamie Roberts plays every game from the start or you move on. But you can't be having him as an impact serve or you know, turning, to him, turning to him last minute. They've got to decide exactly which way they want to go with this. Right, a couple of positives for me. Halame Moss, I thought, played role. Josh Navidi uh, looks good. Really good. Uh, I was very, I was very impressed with his performance. Shame he won't be able to keep his shirt because, of course, that belongs purely to Sam Warburton. But uh, yeah, he, he did very, very well. And he's, it's, it's a couple of caps which were long overdue. And I thought Wayne Barnes was really good. Did you see he brought the bants in kind of Nigel Owens fashion, which I know you would have loved? Did he? Yeah, he was, he was just uh, a couple of little jokes here and there. Banter, not into it. I can't remember the content of the jokes, but. Um, Anyway, he, he was, I thought you'd appreciate that, knowing how much you love that from uh, Nigel Owens. Um, but some negatives. Um, I'm, I'm not, not convinced Shingler is an international player. Amazing club player. Wrong. I think he is, actually. I, I really rate him. I think in a, back, in a slightly different back row, uh, including Warburton, he'd be very effective. Uh, for New Zealand, I don't know. It's hard to judge them because they've, they've had some creaks for a little while now. But they have just comfortably beaten Wales. I don't know whether I should... And, Bo- and Bowden Barrett seems ex- happy. But what were you expecting? I mean, how long has it been since Wales have beaten New Zealand? 100 years? 200 years? Uh, you know, rugby wasn't even invented last time that they beat New Zealand at a roughly equivalent game. So, you know, it, it, does, it doesn't surprise me one bit. And I think New Zealand could have picked up six or seven more injuries and still have won that. A couple of things I did love, though. Um, Aaron Smith taking one to the face, the, the, the pass. I can't remember who passed it to him from a line-out. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed that. Top marks. And, and equally, uh, Aaron Smith cleaning out. Which Welsh prop was it? He just piled... Like, you, you rarely see a, uh, a scrum half just pile into one oh. of the biggest men on the park. You're not talking about Thomas Francis, are you? It may, may have been Thomas Francis. It's, it worries me that he is the first choice starting tight head for an international team. Samson Lee not injured? Yes, he is. So yeah. he, so. Oh, currently? Yeah. So the fact that yeah. you've got to start with Thomas Francis, Exeter don't start with Thomas Francis. Um, I'm sure he's a lovely man. I'm sure, you know, he's a he's good round Exeter. He's not a starting tight head. Mm. And it's the single biggest worry that I have for Wales. So just to remind you that we'll have another podcast coming out in a couple of days. Maybe which, two. W- maybe two, yeah, which Phil will be on. In fact, yeah, let's do two. Let's do a, let's do a World Rugby Awards special with, yeah. all, with all of the content and we'll sprinkle this podcast with some of it. Uh, and it'll also have Phil on the next podcast where we'll be talking about domestic rugby as well because there's so much to talk about. Um, and it's going to feel like an empty weekend next weekend. I don't know, I don't know what we're going to do. Uh, but right now, let's hear from... Who do you want to hear from next? Um, Carlton... No, no, we'll go Carlton Do you want to go Carlton I think that should be on the special. Yeah, fine. Yeah, so for, for now, should we go uh, Breakthrough Player of the Year, Rico Ioani, oh, yeah. Coach of the Year, Eddie Jones, or all-round legend and chopper guru, Richie McCall? Chopper guru, Richie McCall. Chopper guru, Richie McCall, please. So uh, we have here with us one of the only men who could take advantage of the helipads. <laughs> Monaco, Richie McCall, how are you doing? Did you uh, chopper yourself in? No, I didn't actually, but... Uh... I've got a, got a fella come and pick me up from the helicopter tomorrow, so it'd be good. 
Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, you, you, what, are you going, going to go sightseeing or is it just just to go back and forth? No, actually we're going to have a look around uh, a factory in Marseille where they produce them. So, uh, oh, really? Which yeah. one? D- uh, uh, sorry, this, this isn't for us. No, 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 we've got two minutes, come on. It must, must, must be nice having a, a nice having a night with, uh, with your old pal uh, Dan tonight. Yeah, I haven't actually caught up with them yet, but uh, same with Conrad and uh, Joe Rockathoka, there's a few of the boys here, and actually uh, guys like George Gregan and Victor Matfield, those sort of fellas, actually really nice to, you know, without the pressure of rugby, to sit and have a chat. Stories uh, you can tell about the, the, the battles you've had in the past? Yeah, to, to be honest, you don't talk too much about that, I think, you know, it's uh, just sort of, yeah, might be after a few beers you do, but uh, it's just nice to have a chat about what everyone's up to. Like, it's, you know, genuinely interested to hear the guys you played against and now you're in the same boat and see what's happening. Since you've, since you've hung them up, how are you replacing the intensity and you know, all the things, things around rugby, which rugby provided you with? couple of ways really like definitely the flying side is that the challenge and the you know you're always learning so I think that's important and I've also got into uh, adventure racing which you know multi-day multi-discipline events so like probably train twice as much as I ever have done and um, I'm right outside my comfort zone and that with a team that are pretty good and uh, what's, sorry what, what's adventure racing tell, tell me more about that effectively it's uh, so the race I'm doing in March is called the God Zone it's uh, it's 500 k's kilometres of mountain biking trekking kayaking rafting and they don't give you the course until right before the race with a compass wow. and a map That's and off you go wow. Uh, Richie, I know time's short, so just one quick word on one of the men that was up on the big screen there, the youngster from New Zealand, Rico Iwani, frightening talent. Yeah, absolutely. He uh, he does things that not many people in, uh, in the world of rugby can do. Uh, we saw that last night when he's playing against Wales. Um, and he's still a young man, so he's only going to get better, I'm sure. But uh, really, I've enjoyed watching him play. And um, you think about guys that... You know, when you've got guys like Severe, uh, Dag, Smith, all those guys uh, that you could have, and then he pops up, a pretty good space to be. Richie, thanks so much for your time, really appreciate it. Well done on your road. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Cheers. And hopefully we can catch up for a chat about uh, helicopters yeah, yeah, yeah. some other time. <laughs> good on you. Take care, Richie McCourt, I could love, I would love to have found out a little bit more even about the. I still haven't understood this. Is it venture or adventure sports he's talking about? Whatever it is, we get we get the gist. It's bloody difficult. So where he gets time to do all this stuff, I, I don't know. So, what does he do? Like chopper, yeah. chopper, chopper, chopper. Like that's his gig. Yeah. So, yeah. so this is so cool. this is so cool, right? So um, you know. As we're in Monte Carlo, Monte Carlo Bay Casino, chatting to players, drinking Heineken's. Thank you, thank you to World Rugby for that. The, the official sponsor of World Rugby, uh, so, beer, beer, the official beer of yeah. rugby. Is that right? Yes, yeah, something like that. You've got it close enough, right? Um, as soon as he had left and did another interview, and then called him over, and we got to talk about aerospace for what two, three minutes. So cool. He's actually been in a tornado. A t- as in the Eurofighter. What's a tornado? Sorry. Uh, the Eurofighter fast jet type thing, which is amazing. It's simply amazing. The, uh, the, the guy has done everything. So yeah, it's pretty cool to say uh, he was chatting to Richard McCall about aerospace in, Mon- in Monte Carlo once. That happened. <laughs> so when he, um, but w- so what is he like a military helicopter pilot or is he commercial? What does he do? Uh, commercial. Commercial. 
Okay, right. Well, anyway, what a, what a thoroughly thigh-slapping good chap. And that's, that, again, coming to events like this, you know, and, and JB and I are, um, feel extremely uh, lucky to, to, to be here and to be doing this. But what I, what I really value is how... Um, just just how good the people are just top to bottom whoever they are someone with 148 international caps or someone who's the uh, runner working on the little TV operation here just good people in rugby I love it yeah it was so touching as well I mean um, for Richie McCall to say hey guys I've always wanted to meet you fellas yeah you know finally my career is complete yeah and that, to, that meant the world to me yeah and to say can I have that club tie sorry that one's forboden yeah so we we bought two we've not decided who we're going to give the second second one to yet but uh, yeah he couldn't and maybe if we'd known he wanted one we could have bought him an extra one but he had to turn his request down for the club tie that, that was a shame yeah it was where, where do you stand on the on these personal awards in a, in a team sport that is so reliant on the, the context of the team like, indiv- indiv- individuals can still shine obviously I think the answer to that is from a team point of view I don't think the teams particularly rate them okay? because they're always talking in their team speak aren't they which is hey one game at a time we're going to worry about what we can do our performance all about it. I mean if you pin one of these people down and you say hey you played really well today you're the reason this team's winning they'll almost always say whether it's because of media training or whatever else no it's because of the, of the team on the other hand, it is an amazing opportunity to showcase rugby. Um, there's nothing wrong with adding a bit of glitz to the game, which is, for so long was afraid of exactly this sort of thing, which is basically professionalism and you know, everything else it brings in. And it's a great event. It's a great event which showcases the best sport in the world. Agreed. I, I completely agree. Um, so I'm just going to, at this point, just remind you that uh, this podcast is made possible in part by uh, the wonderful people at Cornerstone, who make in our opinion and in many 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 people's opinion and in the case of some award wins they've had their opinion as well uh, they are it's the best razor you can get and you can get it for the price of four pounds you can get your aluminium weighty heavy metal shaft none of this plastic nonsense engraved with your own initials six precision engineered german razors and uh, all for the price of four quid in a presentation cornerstone box by going to cornerstone.co.uk slash egg chasers that's cornerstone.co.uk slash egg chasers or Egg 10 at checkouts. And while we're talking cash, four quid, that doesn't equate, I don't know whether it's uh, the exchange rate or whatever, but that doesn't equate to much alcohol on, on the Cote d'Azur, does it? <laughs> uh, no, it doesn't, Tim. That is fair to say. Um, what was the... Actually, no, I, I'm not going to tell you how much money we spent in uh, Nice last night. It was a lot. Uh, yeah, and it also doesn't equate to many miles in a taxi. My God, nice. my God, my God. I, I got a taxi from the airport, four kilometres, 45 euro. Cheers. So, yes, you're right. It does not equate to much here. On to more rugby then. And yeah, I think by this point in the day, we were starting to get very, very... Um, well, we weren't really totally grasping everything that goes on, so we're going to have missed things. But I, would, I want to mention French Dupont. Um, I love that we were trying to get the. We were asking the barman, what's um, what's Japan in in French? Japon. Um, <laughs> it seems okay. spelled like that. <laughs> Jap- Jap- Japon. Japon. So, twenty three all. It finished, and I think that's that's arguably result of the weekend. Um, is it result? Of the well, weekend? Scotland spanking Australia. Scotland obviously. is result. Of the week. It's an interesting result. I'll give you that much. Japan played very, very well. Uh, France just continued to decline and continued to, to disappoint. It's a real shame, actually. Um, 
I did love the stadium though. The stadium was amazing. I assume that is Racing's new place. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I don't know, but I saw it as well. And if you didn't see it, um, what's what's special and interesting about the stadium is it's kind of the, the crowds on three sides, a bit like the Aviva Stadium in Dublin, where there's that one small tier with the glass the glass windows but it, the, the whole of one end was just one enormous jumbotron yeah. screen it, it's very it feels very futuristic doesn't it it looks great big fan of it it does look good big fan of that so well done Japan 23 all um, who? Japan yeah sorry Japan um, have, now um, we weren't totally concentrating on England Samoa no not really I didn't think there was much really to gain from this there weren't many French bars showing rugby either we had to go to Mar Nolan's Irish bar in uh, Nice, which was lovely. Yeah, delightful little place. Um, yeah, good. And we, um, we, you know, on the Côte d'Azur, we wanted to sample the, the local cuisine. So what, what was the only food we had on Saturday? Oh, yeah. So we had, um, I don't know what, what do the, the French call it? Um, nachos. Yeah. <laughs> had nachos at the bar. Uh, yeah, so we, we, we did catch a bit of England Samoa. I think probably what, what we'll do is just... Very brief, very brief takeaway, uh, and let Phil fill in most of the gaps because he would have done nothing but watch it intently with his laptop in front of him, furiously making statistical um, notations. So uh, I think England will be satisfied, but there's a lot still to do. It's quite frustrating. They were not in the same way as Italy last year in the Six Nations with that the offside line and stuff, but Samoa really got into their ruck, massively disrupted it. It's you know you, you've got to be careful talking about this because the game is basically marred by all the off-field nonsense prior to it, and we, which we're not going to talk, talk about now. In terms of the rugby itself, I, I just find it. I don't necessarily think that England put their best foot forward. Uh, Samoa were good in patches. I mean, the try score by the second row actually that finish was sensational. Um, but I think the questions will more will be more around England's. Uh, um, more about England at, at the Ruck rather than how good Samoa were at the Ruck but that's, that might be a bit harsh no, no I hear what you're saying I think all we need to do England is just keep um, playing okay for England's um, on England's measure of what okay is and then just blitzing it in the last 15 minutes they seem to have made a massive habit of this yeah so do you want to know something which I find Found quite interesting. Always, the water boy was Owen Farrell. Now, usually, this wouldn't be interesting, right? Because lots of you know, there are lots of players that carry on water when they're not picked. It's interesting that Owen Farrell was water boy because when you think about England and the structure that they have, are you aware they have no attack coach? Who gets start defence? Steve Warfley forwards. Oh yeah. Are you aware they have no backs coach? Well, it must be Eddie, right? Owen. What? Owen Farrell takes a massive leadership role in, the, in that team. And I'm not saying he's coaching the team, but someone is. Someone must be designing back, backs moves and someone must be um, you know, leading the way. And I thought it was very telling how every chance he got to get on the field to, you know, to give out water, he was running on with messages, talking to the lads. And it tells you really how reliant they are on him not just as a player but also as a pers- personality a leader and maybe to some extent some, some extent an architect of their um, attacking play I'm not sure Reliant is that too strong? Where would England be without Owen Farrell? I mean if you took Owen Farrell away from the picture tomorrow where would they be? 
Not, 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 not out of the 15, out of the entire squad. Oh, no, no, t- don't get me wrong. I, but I, 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 I think they're completely reliant. And half, of this, um, half of this test for me, these last three tests, have been about prove, England proving to themselves they are not reliant on Owen Farrell and Mario Toji. And actually, I think what they've proven more than anything is they are really reliant on at least one of those guys, and that is Owen Farrell. That's an interesting perspective. What do you make of that at Rugby Podcast? You can tweet us. Uh, I just want to read this. We got tweeted this by... Because uh, we can't read this ourselves because um, for some reason uh, Times Rugby Correspondent Stephen Jones blocked us. Hey, can I say, I met Times Rugby Correspondent um, uh, Alex Lowe today, who is a, a, a very charming man. Very, uh, very, very nice indeed. Charming man and a very good rugby writer. Now, um, Adam Tebb. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. But is the guy who got in touch? Stephen Jones is um, Sunday Times article started. England have perfected the trick this autumn of coming late and hard and even gloriously. So, um, interesting. It's, it's perfectly accurate. I just quite like the, um, the choice of words. <laughs> but girth's out of order, is it? Um, <laughs> so, what I would say is, yeah, he's basically right. And the last-minute flourishes uh, have been impressive, but what has been less impressive has been how England have developed their game. I worry, you know, England are on the cusp. And, I, you know, sometimes being early is the same as being, being, uh, being wrong. But I think they are on the cusp of a sort of meltdown, actually. I don't think it's going to come this Six Nations, but I think they are they're sort of... They are... I worry about them. What do, you, what do you mean meltdown? I can't understand... I can't understand the, the logic behind what you're, what you're saying. What, what do you mean? Right, OK. So what I mean by the impending England meltdown is I sort of worry about where the, where the game plan is going, right, which is more power, more power, more power, more power. I mean, just, you know, almost to the extent that they've got you know, four second rows on the field and then, um, and then an eight in the front row. Um, I think also the way Eddie is managing the team or his style of management is very short to, very short to. Everyone's uncomfortable all the time. He's con- continually shuffling shuff the pack. Uh, look at his back. Look at his back. Uh, look at his um, back, backroom staff. I mean, most most of them have left, or they've been turned out. The turnover of staff there is rather large. And going forward, I wonder if the intensity which he brings and the reason that he's successful so far will be the reason that coming up to the World Cup four years of it is just too much. And maybe we're not on a cusp of it now, but I think maybe towards the end, maybe Six Nations are going to show up a few cracks in. Um, in what England's doing see I, I take a different view and think that uh, rightly or wrongly and it seems to be rightly for the most part he's been um, Eddie Jones eyes has been he's, he's like been layering this team he's kind of uh, 
it's like, the, it's like you know the, those scenes in the Matrix where they they, they go, I want to learn kung fu, right? I'm, I'm going to plug that in. He's kind of been doing that with England gradually, and, and it's all started. And defence has been his focus for two years. What he did say before the autumn was, now we need to start developing the attack. I just don't think that is there yet. But the defence is absolutely immense. The set, the, all, <coughs> yeah. all the basics, the defence, the set piece, and I think it's it's unlike Wales, who are kind of going, Warren Gatlin's going, ah, maybe I do need to evolve. Oh God, I've wasted the last two years. I could have been developing this for two years. I think Eddie Jones has got got that process in mind. And now, and we need to see, I would like to have seen it a bit more in the autumn, but Six Nations, we have to see that ruthless attack coming to the fore. Now, that, and that ruthlessness is a little bit what England have got in those last 20 minutes. A little bit. Take it to a World Cup, I think... That last 15 minutes, you know, Eddie Jones said finishes, but as much as we talk about that, I think that could that could be World Cup winning, that kind of, that that, that fitness and that, I that impact. I don't think they've improved since, since, since Six Nations. Okay, so I thought Six Nations had gradual improvement. I was very, very shocked they lost to Ireland. I would not be shocked in any way if in the next Six Nations they lose to both Ireland and they lose to Scotland. They're playing Who's, Ireland at Twickenham. I, I think Ireland might be the best the best team on earth at the moment. I think them and the All Blacks are like 1A and 1B. So I, I think Ireland will take them. Um, I mean, we're talking about like Six Nations predictions here. And, you know, a lot can change from now from now from now until then. But if you think about the way that England play, how would they go and beat Ireland? Well, you know, it'd be power, power, more power. I mean, they're not going to beat them with um, you know, fl- flowing, sweeping backs moves, for instance. I don't know. I think you've got. Um, I'm not necessarily saying they're going to start, but now what you've got is Lazowski, Slade train is back on the rails. Mm. Did um, you see his pickup, by the way? Oh my god. Like the best bit of skill, but unfortunately the whistle the whistle has gone. The simple things, eh? Yeah, it was just like that Bowden Barrett in the in the Lions test. Yeah, it was uh, it was amazing actually. The sleigh train. He's, uh, he's, got, you know he's got to have some downsides as the sleigh train. Sorry, Debbie, what are you gonna say? I'm just ruminating now, but this is just a thought I've had. Maybe the reason England are so fly half heavy, you know, Pierce Francis, Owen Farrell, George Ford, Kozowski, Slade. Maybe the reason they want all of these playmakers and they continue to do so is because of the lack of a lack of the lack of a, of an attack coach and the a lack of an attacking game plan. Maybe the, the attacking plan is get the most talented players who know the most about how to attack and just hope that they all gel and get it done. Uh, and also, I think it's, it's such a critical position if you're going to win a World Cup to have to have guys like that. You know, I mean, let's let's not forget Dan Carter didn't play most of. The last World Cup, because um, no, of injury, it, didn't he? No, no in the build-up, he wasn't around. Yeah, so the, crew, yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. So, so, so having having these playmaking guys in such critical positions, having these sorry, having this extra depth in these critical positions, is um is, is going to be massive. Johnny Sexton goes down. Ireland are a totally different team. Obviously, you're not going to be able to replace Owen Farrell, but there's players that are getting Test caps under their belt who can approach something like Owen. That is an interesting question. Who is more reliant on that on uh, one individual, Ireland on Sexton, or England on Owen Farrell? Mm. And that is a great question. That is a great one. Let's save that one for when we're chatting with Phil. You can have a think and let us know uh, at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. Right. We'll talk, since we've just been talking about England, should we hear from uh, from the boss, Rachel Burford? Eddie Jones. Eddie Jones. Sorry, I forgot we interviewed him oh, as well. Yeah, we did. Mm. We chatted to Eddie Jones. 
It's a tough gig. Um, well, what are we going to do with the other interviews? Are we going to put them in a different podcast? Yeah, I think we'll do a, I think we'll do a World Rugby special um, cool. podcast later in the week, which features someone that, that I've never spoken to before, didn't know a lot about, but uh, Carl Tanana, former, well, which is one of the greatest sevens players of all time, um, and was a thoroughly nice chap. <laughs> yeah, he's good fun. Uh, right, so okay, here we oh, go. And he, oh, and he, just to tease ahead to a future podcast, so hit subscribe in the feed, he... Um, he absolutely ripped some of his fellow Kiwis and their hairdos a new one. <laughs> That's all we'll say. Yes, he did. Uh, right, so here's Eddie Jones. Eddie, congratulations Thank on your you. award. What does that mean? Uh, look, you know, please just punch personally and it's a great reward for the team. Uh, yeah, because it's about the team and the staff. And as I said on the podium, I'm also a little bit embarrassed because I always think it should go to the, the coach of the number one team in the world. It, it is a strange concept, isn't it, like the idea of individual awards within you know, such a team sport? Uh, definitely. But, you know, we don't decide that. <laughs> uh, you're better off getting the best catch and the worst catch. You mentioned the, the team of coaches you've got. Um, I'm fascinated to know if there's any more um, maverick moves to squeeze that extra 1%. We took, you know, Paul Gustav in the past has had wolves and snakes when he was his Saracens and poems and, and things like that. Anything else, Anything this autumn he's pulled out the bag? Uh, we're always looking for new new ideas. Gustav's, you know, he's very inventive. I don't, I don't think he sleeps at night. He's always thinking about a different way to motivate the boys. And what's, what's your kind of uh, assessment now? How, how satisfied are you with the way things are? Uh, well, you're never satisfied, you know. We're moving in the right direction, but we've just got to keep going, mate. Yeah. Now, I, I keep tabs, like most rugby fans do, of things that you get up to. And the other day I was watching you on YouTube at the, at the university, I think the Oxford University Union. Um, what other strange things have you, have, have you been able to do because of your role in, in the England job? It seems so, so peculiar. Uh, yeah, again, I was a bit embarrassed being at Oxford Uni- Union. You walk in there, there's photos of Nelson Mandela and Bill Clinton, and you got a, you know, you got a rugby coach in there. Uh, oh, we're just being able to get access to various sorts of football teams, you know, being able to meet the Chelsea coach, uh, met the Man City coach, being able to see what those players do, attend the English football training sessions, attend England women's hockey training sessions yeah we've got opportunities to learn all the time do, do you do you quite enjoy the contrasting of the various sports oh i love sport you know and i love seeing what other coaches do and i love seeing what other coaches do that are better than what we do yeah. speaking of sport you got your eye on the ashes uh, i have been watching it I've, I've been very interested in the commentary on it you know as, as everything in the world, everything becomes instant now. So you win one day, you're on top, you're going to win the Ashes, you lose the second day, you know, that's the end of the Ashes. It's, it's just so instant now. But, you know, I think Australia was always going to go close to winning the test at the Gabba. That's a difficult test for the English players. And the next test becomes so important for them. And, of course, Rugby League what, uh, Cup final. Will you be watching that? Well, I watched the first game. I thought it was a great game of Rugby League. And... The, I'm really going to be interested in watching the the final. I think that you know Wayne Bennett's done a terrific job with the English side. It's just a matter of whether they can go the whole eighty against the Australian side that never stops. Eddie, um, we'll thank you so much for your time uh, and enjoy your night in Monaco. Okay, we'll do. Thank, thank you, Eddie. You. Cheers. Cheers. Take care. Thanks, Thanks so much. Eddie Jones, big cricket fan. Yeah, he got quite animated. He's probably more interested in the cricket than he is uh, about talking talk, talk about England. But yeah. God, guy, can't blame him. No, 
Yeah, well, and you can understand that as well. It's been a, it's been a long, I suppose you can have a little bit of a break now, but it's been a long, it's been a long year of, of international rugby. He's got. Did you find he had a very nice, uh, you know, after everything I've just said about England, said about England, you know, what four minutes ago? Uh, very easy manner about him when you're talking to him. Do you find? Yeah, quite. He seems like quite a zen kind of guy. Yeah, I completely agree. He's uh, yeah, he's an interesting character. Comfortable in his own skin. Uh, yeah, it would be. Uh, yeah, just seems like a nice chap. Like you say, didn't didn't give too much away, but they never do. And we we and the way it works is we had uh, he's he's got like a half a dozen different people that he's going to chat to all these all these guys have and then they, they just plonk them on a seat and we say hello right and start asking questions so um, I suppose he's never going to open up in 90 seconds chat, chatting to two strangers <laughs> yeah quite but there you go yeah um, but uh, yeah have you been watching the Rugby World Cup uh, League World Cup sorry? no I haven't I was flying no I wasn't I was going to the airport when the England game was on I heard it was incredible though. The, the England song yeah I, I need to you watch it. it no I didn't I want, I want to I need to um, right, so where are we at then? Oh, Ireland. I um, can't remember who Ireland played, mate. Argentina. Oh, yeah, good I win. Do remember. Good win. I don't know, I didn't, I didn't watch it because I think Scotland won at the same time. Something happened, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't watch it. But yeah, good, good win against an Argentina team who I feel are struggling. Well, you know, in, in terms of struggling, I think that it is 10 to midnight right now. Is it? There's a, there's a room full of people through there involved in the world of rugby playing and coaching and stuff and we could be doing some really valuable networking well you've got to do editing mate so uh, that's fine so I think we should I think we're starting to wane after a heavy weekend in, on the south of France uh, so we're going to sign off um, from Egg Chasers now but hit subscribe we will be back with Phil who will add a lot more thought and fact and logic to proceedings quality 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 that's the word I was looking for um, he'll have more quality and then we will have a domestic rugby uh, podcast and uh, like, like I say a world rugby awards special coming in this feed very soon so hit subscribe tell me mates anything else you want to say JB uh, let the boys play planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.